Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I'm Vanderly, uh, Vanderly Arnold, and um, well, I'll just, I'm going to just start, I'll just try to give you, um, you know, just some of the highlights of my testimony um, with the Lord. Um, I've had the honor of knowing him since I was little, but I was raised um, in a legitimately highly legalistic, spiritually abusive church. Um, I could spend an evening with just the stories of um, of just how my family members and I personally just were abused in that church. And um, I was also raised by parents who loved me, um, but one of my parents um, has some clinical narcissism, borderline personality uh, disorder, and so, and then the other parent um, really struggled with rage. So my upbringing included the Lord, but it didn't include a lot of safety. It, it didn't include a lot of that secure love. Um, but that's the beginning of my um, testimony. And if I were to title my testimony, it really is the history of God's faithfulness in my life, no matter what has come my way. And um, from a small child, the Lord just entered my bedroom and comforted me, w- comforted me in supernatural ways that um, actually ended up being the anchor in my life when I moved into my 20s and I was a brand new mommy with this one and the pressures of life was getting to me and I was discovering just how damaged I really was and I was scared of myself and I hated myself because of it and most of all I was really angry at God and um, so as a result I just really wanted to end my life and I tried to end it on the road and just in God's incredible grace did he send the angels to just intervene and not let one car every car swerved out of my way for me because God loves me and that was really the beginning of uh, someone who had been raised to know the Lord I really got to experience his grace um, in a real tangible way from that point on and that really catapulted me into Um, counseling. And as a result of just the counseling, the passion in me is pastoral care. It is really shepherding the souls, you know, of people who are hurting, who don't know how to connect with the Lord, um, who don't know how to really access his grace, because all of that is there and ready for us. But uh, sometimes it just takes some extra support and community to get you there. And so, Um, And then moving into, um, so I became a mom, I married, and um, I have three children. Zoe's my firstborn, she's 22, I have a 17-year-old son, and I have a 13-year-old daughter. And about another part of my testimony that just really reveals God's faithfulness is uh, we had gone through a spiritual revolution as a family in about 2009 and 2010, And that is what really ramped us up to really um, teach our children how to be the church, how to really hear and interact with the Lord, 
And that launched us into um, just really fulfilling a calling that the Lord had put on my life way back when I was 10 and 13 years old, and that was to serve overseas. And so God graciously let me have a few years overseas where um, we, we ran an orphanage with some friends and just loved on children, um, Haitian children and Dominican children in the island of Hispaniola. But even in that place, that was beautiful, and it was ugly, and it was lovely, and it was so hard. And um, in that season, even though that was where the Lord had divinely led us, there was things that had happened um, under the leadership and that things that happened to our children that should never happen to children um, happened. And uh, so that really brought us home, and that brought us probably to a place, um, it really brought our home to a, a crashing halt of a lot of just disillusionment. And again, my testimony is that God is so faithful and that he is incredibly good. And a large part of just what I want to share tonight is actually what the Lord has just divinely led me into supernaturally just a sequence of a path that he put me on to really be able to engage with him when I am experiencing so much anguish, to be able to experience and sense that I can be so near him and he can be so near to me that I can actually experience joy and still be in the midst of so much pain. And uh, the Lord just supernaturally had put me on a path that I honestly thought was very individualized, customized just for Vanderly, because it was just my inner path of healing that he put me on. But it wasn't until I, um, it wasn't until I actually, by no coincidence, had met um, a neuro, a neuro, sorry, a neurologist and a neuroscientist who was saved and spirit-filled and she started to unpack and describe to me and explain to me what I was doing, what was actually happening inside of me, why it was working. And out of that has just become a compassionate and pa pa I'm compassionate, I'm passion to be able to just impart it for those that don't have to feel that just because you're walking through hard times, just because you're walking through loss, it doesn't mean it becomes a season of spiritual stagnation. It doesn't mean there is a deflation that has to be, that you have to identify with. You can actually experience the closeness of the Lord and the joy of the Lord and be so confused and, and discouraged and disappointed. You can have both. And in having both, that is actually where spiritual maturity and intimacy blooms. Um, but sometimes we get stuck and we're not really sure how to pursue that. And that's really just what I want to unpack tonight. I actually want to, I'm going to be here this week and I'm going to be here next week. And um, so I'm going to unpack part one tonight and then go a um, little bit more deeper, even more hands-on next, next week. So if you can come next week, it'll be great. So I do want to talk, so what I'm going to talk about tonight are four main ingredients for us to grow spiritually mature and help and help close that gap between what we hear and know God says about us, what we hear and read in the Bible, to actually closing that gap to living it out consistently, like it being our reality, no matter what the season of life you are in. Because if there's anything I really want to impact tonight is do not believe the lie 
that your season of life and your circumstances actually determine where you stand with the Lord and that it, and it doesn't determine your character and it definitely does not determine um, how uh, that you that you have to get better that you have to, things have to stop being hard before you get better. Do I need to say that again? I really want to what I really want to impart tonight is that you don't have to wait for life to get better in order for you to get better. And sometimes we think the circumstances are so hard that it's creating this disconnect from ourselves, a disconnect from the Lord. So, as, um, so we think the circumstance is the problem, and if the circumstance would just get better, I would, I would be better. I would, it would be so much easier to be happy. It would be so much easier to just connect with the Lord. So really, I have to get this circumstance out of the way. And that's really what I want to refute tonight. Because sometimes you go through a season of life like I have. The last six years of my life, have, I have endured more loss, pain, and disappointment than I ever have in my, in, in my life. And I started with what I, what I was raised with. And I'm, I'm still walking through a devastated loss of losing my husband after 23 years and walking through an unwanted divorce and all the secondary losses and all the things that happened that led up to that. I'm still walking through that. And with that comes a lot of anger. It comes even with entitlement. This shouldn't be happening to me. I didn't sign up for this. It comes with rage sometimes. And it comes with disillusionment and confusion and doubt. All of that is real. And it doesn't make me less spiritual, less mature. It doesn't make me wrong. It's just this is, the, this is real parts of humanity. And it is the accessing the presence of God in the ordinary moments and the hard moments. That, that learning how to engage in the sustaining presence of God, that's where you blossom no matter what's going on in you and around you you can actually experience both at the same time. Psalm 32.8 says, I will teach you and tell you the way to go and how to get there. I will give you good counsel and I will watch over you with my loving eye. And so this was, I clung to this verse as the Lord was li literally just divinely ordering my steps of how to walk me into healing through hard um, circumstances, teaching me how to sustain a connection with him in the midst of pain, spiritual deflation. And my identity got jacked up. I was forgetting I had for who I was. Nevertheless, the Lord was there. But do you, do you know when you know someone who is constantly full of joy? Um, and, and they're just so, or may, and it's just someone who's just so strong. And no matter, no matter what they seem to be going through, like they just, they got that thing with the, they got that close knit with the Lord and, and they're just doing well anyways. Right. And so, and that's great. And they, and it's admirable and, and it's good. I'm not down in it, <laughs> but, 
you know, and you ask them like, how, like, how, how are you like that? How did, how did you get that way? And they're like, I, I don't know. God is good. I just am. I'm just happy. Right. <laughs> and, and it's true, right? They don't have to know. And God is good. So they just are. And that's so lovely. But when you're the one not experiencing that, it, and that response ends up turning out to being so hurtful unintentionally, not that they offended you, but it just ends up feeling unhelpful because you're like, well, then what's wrong with me? Why, why not, why you and not me? But the Lord said, I will show you how to get there. And he has. So let me start here. So I'm going to start to unpack it. When Jesus came to save us, he didn't just come and save us from damnation. The word save in the Bible, the book of Matthew, is actually sozo, and it means to make well or be made whole. So in Hebraic thought, the body, mind, and emotions are never separated. So separating your body and your mind and emotions from each other is actually more of a Greek philosophical Western mindset that has infiltrated our church culture and our church theology. But that has never been God's idea. And so when Jesus is saving you, when he's giving you sozo, he's not just, he's not only saving you from damnation, but he is literally generating wholeness in your body, your mind, and emotions all the way into wholeness because that's what soul that's what sozo is and it has nothing to do with your circumstances or what you're going through that's the that's the promise that's the gift of salvation that our body mind and emotion would experience that reality that we will be made well this is foundational because as soon as we start separating them what usually happens is we start valuing one over the other and that will make it really difficult to fulfill one of the greatest commands God has had for us. Love me with all your body, mind, and soul. Love me with all your strength. It's hard to do if you're going to value one over the other. Because in the mind of God, they were never meant to be separated. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, at one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side. He put your lives together, whole and holy, in his presence, free from accusation, free from imperfection. So what, so what happens when our reality has a gap and what the Bible just said I am to what you're experiencing. What happens? What do we do with that? I'm just going to keep walking through promises and comparing it to gaps we all, if we were honest, would relate to. Ephesians 2.13, although you were once distant and far from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. I love that verse. <laughs> delightfully close to God. That sounds like God is clearly glad to be with me and brings me very near. So what happens when I don't feel close to him? What do I do with that? Ephesians 2.18, because we are united to Christ, we all have equal and direct access to come to the Father by the Holy Spirit. We have 
equal and direct access. That means my access with the Lord is the same as your access with the Lord. Nobody is experiencing more than the other. But then why do I sometimes feel like he's so far from me when you feel so close to him? Ephesians 2, 1, and his fullness fills you. It's one of my other favorites. I love it. His fullness fills you. So then why do I feel empty? Ephesians 2, 22, God is transforming us in his presence through the Holy Spirit living in you. Which brings me to the question, I believe that with all my heart, so why can't I kick this habit? Why aren't I being transformed in that area? Does anybody relate? Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody wondered even of like, how do I experience him generating wholeness, promising me closeness as an experience on a regular basis? Yeah. A quote by Jim Wilder. Awesome books. Find them, find them, and read them. <laughs> Western Christianity has long taught that we are changed by what we believe and what we choose. That is, by the human will responding to God. Yet, the manner in which our brains operate suggests differently. It's a really challenging quote. The manner in which your brain operates is suggesting you actually can readily experience transformation into the wholeness just like scriptures say. And it sounds like it's more than just what I believe and by my will to just choose it. So there's more. There's just more. It's not that it isn't. There's just more. Most of our spiritual practices in the church culture dominantly use left brain functions. From Bible studies to thinking conceptually about God to just memorizing scripture and willing yourself to behave good, behave well. And these are all good, and they do have a place in our journey of faith. But for example, when I can't seem to live out how Christ says he sees me, or I don't feel that truth in my being, left brain Christianity would tell me to just dismiss what I feel because those emotions can't be trusted and they sh you shouldn't let them drive you anyways. So just keep speaking the truth of your life instead. Sound familiar? Or what if I genuinely am not overcoming a bad habit or a sin or an addiction? Left brain Christianity would imply memorizing the scripture to renew your mind. Change the right thinking leads to right acting. Change the way you think so that you strengthen that will, which turns out to be if you can't overcome the sin, if that's what you're taught, but you're not overcoming, then you know if you're the one living with something that you can't overcome, you know it's a Band-Aid, which ends up leaving us feeling worse about ourselves. Believing something is wrong with me. Believing I'm not doing enough. And what it leaves, it leaves a Christianity where I have to try harder, strive harder, hustle, and none of that sounds like grace. And none of it sounds like God, Jesus, when he says, come to me. You're so weary. Lay your burden down. I'll teach you how to live light and free. But unintentionally and accidentally, we live in a left-brain Christianity that, 
that this infiltrates our cultures and it leaves us just feeling, now what? In the way we are learning and growing in our faith, if it is not causing us to love God, love ourselves, and love others more deeply, then I would suggest that the gap you're experiencing is less about what's in you and perhaps it is about our approach and our practices. Because we, God declared we lack nothing according to him. Ephesians 1 says, I have given you all the blessings you need by grace. You don't have to do anything for it to fulfill your destiny. So whatever it is that you need for wholeness and transformation and access to sensing him always there, it's in you. It's already there. So at his word, we're in great shape. Glorious, in fact, according to Colossians 1, right? <laughs> Who feels glorious tonight? <laughs> we shouldn't be so modest, right? God said we're glorious, blameless. <laughs> Who's feeling it? <laughs> so at his word, we're in great shape. Ephesians says we're tight with him, right? We're in great shape. So... What is lacking is more of an awareness of something you already have. In the mind of God, your body, your mind, and emotions are not separated. There's something in your mind and your body and your emotions that God has put in that and designed for you to be able to engage God on a regular basis in ordinary moments, extraordinary moments, and hard moments. If you don't learn how to engage him in the way that I'm going to unpack tonight, it leaves you passive, like a victim dependent on only supernatural encounters that we get in a prophetic encounter or an incredible dynamic worship service. And all those are from the Lord too. But what if you don't get that prophetic word? What if you are at a church that doesn't have incredible worship like us? Then what? And then that's why people go searching and searching and searching for just isolated, incredible encounters. And that's not how the Lord designed us. So I believe it's necessary for us to understand how God designed your brain in order to understand this blueprint that he intended for us to close the gap from disconnection to closeness, to close that gap from spiritual stagnation to spiritual maturity. So I want to break down the differences in the two hemispheres in your brain. So I'm going to get a little nerdy in science for a moment. <laughs> Who likes science? <laughs> so my daughter is back home with me for a year, and she is enduring me as I am just like this walking, <laughs> like this walking science text. Like, did you know? <laughs> So thanks for giving me an outlet tonight. <laughs> okay. So, okay. I'm going to break down the two hemispheres. And I want to show you how the primary functions on the right, right here, because <laughs> it's your opposite. So I'm going to have dyslexic moments here. On the right side, help you access and sense God in you and near you. It's going, there's functions in your right side of your brain that actually that are actually exist for the mere purpose is for you to be able to bond with him and then mature as a result. 
because the Lord actually designed your brain without any secure attachment. Emotional maturity is, is far to none. You have to experience secure attachment. And it was designed in the right brain. So most of our brain, all, our, most of your brain is actually, most of your brain is designed to actually work in harmony and be synchronized from the right to the left. Your brain is always working from the, wait, am I right? Am I right to you? <laughs> from the right to the left on purpose. So, but I'm going <laughs> to, so I'm going to start with the left brain. The left brain is actually called your slow track. It's not slow as in dull, it's just slower than the right brain. It's actually your explanation side. This is where your cognitive engine is held, your willpower, and your words, facts and memorizations and stories. This is the side that looks for details and solutions. This side is what scans repeatedly for what's wrong. So if you're feeling disconnected from God and you're only engaging that left side, the explanation cognitive side, your brain could wrongly interpret what the problem is because you've not engaged the other side of the brain that is designed for you to bond with the Lord. So you're going to come up with your left brain if it's only you're only engaging that side of your brain like most of us do because we've been raised that way in the way we're school, everything, you know, religion, all that philosophy. So is that you're going to come up with something that's what is wrong and then you're going to come up with a wrong solution because you, you've identified the problem wrongly. So you could possibly, if you're not feeling close to God, you'll start to conclude something's wrong with me or, but now I try and it doesn't work. So maybe I start to, your left brain starts to conclude maybe God's mad at me and he's actually moved away from me, even though, even though the Bible says that's not true. But your, your, your left side's always trying to figure out, okay? It's always trying to make sense for what the right brain is missing, whatever's missing on that right side of your brain. So when you're not bonding with the Lord, your left brain is constantly scanning, trying to figure out why, and it will come up with wrong interpretations all the time. So that the right brain, you guys tracking with me? So Okay. The right brain is the fast track. This is the knower side. Um, for example, you know, you'll know what a word is, like you know what it means, but as soon, soon as a kid will go, well, what does that word mean? And you are like, oh, how do you define that word? How do you describe that word? Okay, you just knowing what that word means, and it's fast, right? You just know, excuse me. That's your right side of your brain. But as soon as you have to stop and describe it, explain it, define it, and you kind of stumble over your words, because you're like, I know what this means, I just don't know how to describe it. That's your left side. And see how it's slower? Yeah, it's just slower. But you just know, you just know words on that right side. But it, so it, that's, it's the fast track. So this is, but what makes the right brain really unique is it is the right side of your brain that holds emotions, it holds all your memories, it holds all your experience, relational experiences, and it holds your bodily sensations. This is also the right side of the brain is actually where you read faces, nonverbal cues. So if I'm reading a room, I'm gonna, I'm using my right side of the brain. And if you don't smile at me, I don't feel connected to you. And then my left brain is going to start going, uh-oh, 
Oh. It's because I don't feel bonded to you because you're not smiling at me. So then my left brain has to scan and figure out why. Wow. See that? <laughs> so smile. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, where was I? Okay, so the fast track holds your feelings, and this is why you feel faster than you think. Okay, it's because it's faster. And your feelings are involuntary responses. A lot of, um, and then your left brain will interpret why they're there. Okay. So your right brain is also called the master brain because it holds the command center. And the command center actually holds your identity. And once your identity is established, based on how you establish your identity, for good or for bad, it will determine, that determines to tell your body what to do. So that, that's where beliefs will, will really come into play. But beliefs are actually happening over on the left side based on what you're experiencing with the Lord and others on the right side. So it all comes down. You don't start with right thinking. You don't start with beliefs. You start with bonding with the Lord, connecting with the Lord. Everything, everything thrives from that place. Which is your attachment center, and that's on the right side of the brain. Your attachment center is where it's going to bond to people experiencing joy because they're with you. Now, you can have unhealthy attachments, but for tonight and for clarity, I'm going to just talk about secure, good, healthy attachments. I don't want to get too much into it. Okay. So God designed for both sides of the brain to be operating together in operation in your faith journey. He wants both sides of your brain engaging together or else you are missing out on him. Okay. So let's do a fun little exercise. You want to do a fun little left brain, right brain exercise? <laughs> this is kind of where I geek out. <laughs> it's easy. Okay. So right off the bat, in your head, just, just list and think three facts about God. Got them? All right, just three facts off the top. All right. He is. All right. Anyone else wants to list their three facts? I like it. That's a good one. Anyone else? Three facts? Good, kind, and loving. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So now we're going to engage the right side of the brain. And this takes more work because we are. You know, there is this misconception like, oh, I'm left brain, right brain dominant. That's only actually partially true because you're actually can, you can actually train to just engage both. So, but it does take more work to like move into the right brain because right now all you guys have been doing is just thinking with me. You've been in the left brain mode. So now I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. I now remember, remember three memories where you sensed God was with you. And if that feels too hard, 
remember three gifts that you know God has given you. Don't list them. Don't think them. Remember them. So it is best in this moment. You close your eyes. Because to remember means that you're reliving it in your mind. That's remembering. Relive it. See it. Feel the moments. And while you're reliving them, notice anything you feel in your body. All right, so how many of you were able how many of you were able to one just rem remember? Okay. Some of you, most of you, okay. All right. Does anyone want to share one or two of their memories? Okay. Yeah. I tell him, Lord, you said you'll put my tears in the box. Mm -hmm. So I don't care what you are going through or anybody else. Mm -hmm. I just go on the Lord. Yeah. And the right side, positivity. Because, mm -hmm. you know, God is encouraging me. Right. So he I sure is. To. Yeah. But I thank you so much for speaking truth. It, 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 people need how to speak the way you speak. And one of these things, he will help you through it. Mm. It helps us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And when you were remembering that, did you notice, um, can you put into words, um, did you notice like any feelings you felt when you remembered it? Uh, yes. I'm trying to hold the tears in because no, don't. I've seen too much. You yep. know what I'm saying? I've, I've seen too much. I, I, you know, there was no rain. I'm telling you, in that, you said three. So yeah. there was no rain one day, no clouds in the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I promise you, the Lord, you hear me, Father, I don't get goosebumps on my head, but I got struck, but I, I, there's a lightning that I felt just went straight through me, like I'm just screaming, and I'm just like, run! 
Yeah, it's knowing the author and engaging with him. With him, yeah. That's right. It grounds you. It studies you. That's what it does. Engaging with the Lord studies us. So, um, someone else, just tell me. Um, who, uh, raise your hand if you were able to experience a difference between just thinking or listing facts about God versus remembering gifts that he gave you or sensing his presence. Okay, yeah. And so what were what were some of the things you felt? Um, I felt like the memory, yeah. you know, it brings you back to a place for mm -hmm. me. Um, like I was remembering when I gave my life to the Lord yeah. and just that feeling of like it's hard to even retrace. You know, you always want to retrace that feeling because it's so. Absolutely, yeah. And so you were able to feel that in, in, in your body, like reliv reliving it. Yeah. And so that is, that is on purpose by the Lord. You're made in the image of God, and his nature and his ways are, you know, are, are revealed in the design of your brain because he wants Jesse to never forget what that feels like on purpose because it is her frame of reference of aliveness. When you were dead and I made you come alive, this is what it is. This is your frame of reference that you always engage and pursue with me. But without engaging experientially, you lose it. You just think about it and you forget. But worship literally as described in the Old Testament was to remember. So when you remember, when you engage in that right brain, you are remembering, which is an act of worship before the Lord. And this is why you can, it enables you to access his presence readily, immediately. Because he's timeless. He's not limited by time. So he's in that memory with you. He's currently with you, and he's in the future. So when you remember, when you sense God's presence, he's, he's there. Because he is outside of time. You're in time. Right. It's like you were you were in right brain. You were engaging your right brain and you've been designed that way and you've accessed it. And so you just knew. And tonight your left brain is like, oh, I'm hearing explanation. I'm hearing words. I can now describe it. I know. And this is how I felt when I met. That's right. <laughs> so, well, when I honored you, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, because there has been so many things that you have said that has just, you know, enabled me to engage with the Lord in, while I'm in pain, you know, and that's why I really wanted, you know, to honor you. But as then I'm like diving into brain science, I would kind of be like, 
I know what's happening here. <laughs> okay. All right. So let me let let me move you on. Okay. So the antidote, I've already said it, it's engaging that right brain. So the two ingredients I really am focusing on, I've already been talking about it, but um, I'm gonna I'm diving deeper, is attachment, love, and joy. And they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other in your brain, literally. So first, just to make sure we're all on the same page, attachment, love, is you experiencing a, oh yeah, what time is it? Okay, we're good. Um, is for you to, okay, attachment love is you experiencing a secure bond of love with those who happily provide something life-giving, physically or emotionally. And the way to like see this really quickly, like all nourishment is gonna emotionally and spiritually, it's gonna flow from the attachment, I already said that. But to help you see a picture of it, just imagine a newborn all right, the centrality of their world is their attachment with their mom because she has joyfully provided security, secure attachment in the way like I feed you and I hold you, like I'm, I'm there for, when you cry, I pick you up. All right, that's secure, that's secure attachment. Think about a really adorable puppy. Mine would be Penny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the... A, dog, a, a puppy or dog is going to bond usually with mostly, most of the time, just one in the house, and it's usually the one who feeds them. <laughs> because it's bonding with somebody or something that is providing nourishment that helps them feel like they're thriving. Okay, that's attachment love. So think about that with the Lord. Bonding with something that is nourishing you. It's Okay, and your brains are hardwired to bond. You can't help but not bond. So it's always who or what are we bonding ourselves to. And you can't help it at a young age. So for those of us who have endured um, abuse, homes with addictions, neglect, okay, um, just very unsafe or emotionally immature caregivers, you were attached to that. You did bond with that because it was all you had. But, well, it, but what it does is regulate normalizing the feeling of fear, distress, dysregulated in your body because that's how, what I've bonded to. So it does make the job of learning how to engage over in your right brain with, the, with God who is supposed to be safe and love. So the only reason why I'm bringing that up is to just say that tenderly if that's you because that was me. And the good news is you're not stuck. But I just want but for those who feel like, "Well, why is this harder for me?" Sometimes that's it. It was the attachments that were that you were growing when you had no choice as a child. Okay. Moving that was a little bit of a digression. All, all of who we are, what we do, what we believe, how we think, it all runs through our attachment center first at the base of our brain. Yeah, at the base. 
And there's four. I can. Uh, I was gonna. Uh, I'm like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So there are four main regions or faculties is the fancy word, but four main regions in the right brain. Your attachment center is first. Everything runs through the attachment center, and it's basically your brain deciding, are you, al are you alone? That's it. Is someone with me? Okay. So ideally, someone with me should be safe and love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh -huh, uh -huh. so uh, I looked it up. Come like someone's gonna ask me. <laughs> it's out. Yeah. So, and I don't want to speak wrong because um, it's not the agmildula or something like that, which is number something. It's number two. But I no. But uh, I do have. Um, I I do have. I have a chart, a diagram. I was just going to do it next week. Okay, so. sorry. I'll be here for this. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so, um, so level two is your assessment part of your brain, where level one is, like, am I alone? Is someone with me? And hopefully, are they glad to be with me? Are they good to me? Okay. But the question, really, the brain is asking is, am I alone? Is someone with me? It's attachment. Number two, the second region would be as, like your assessment brain. Am I safe? Am I okay? So if you don't, all, if you're bonding with something that doesn't feel good, your assessment is always going. Like it's always like. Nah, 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 nah. So I, I'm, I've answered number one, but I don't feel safe. Okay, it's an assessment. So and you see when I said on the left side, it's always scanning for what the right brain is missing. That right brain is missing safety. It's missing safety. So level three is attunement. And this is the part of the brain where you feel, where you experience relationally. This is relationship experiences where, um, and you experience it as being seen, heard, validated. So um, attachment, attunement, no, attachment, assessment, attunement. And then the last one is oh, your action center. And this is, so it go, um, it's like number one here. Number two is actually um, deeper in the spine because that's why like fear is actually felt in our bodies and it dysregulates our nervous system immediately because it goes right down into your brain um, and your, your spine. And then level three is assessment. And this is where the need for church discipleship to raise us up to not just be a lot of faith but emotionally and spiritually mature to engage that. And then because when you are when you're firing all three of those, then you finally fire up the action, which is your command center, and that's actually where your identity is held. Your identity has been hardwired in there by the Lord. But what fires it is, can I answer that I am these are being provided for over and over and over? When you're not, when your right brain is not answering, I am sufficiently provided for, and, uh, and I'm attaching, I'm assessing I'm okay, and I'm attuning, what happens is your left brain starts to compensate, overcompensate, and start to make decisions for you, and this is where we come up with, unintentionally, false identities. This is when we start to wear masks. 
This is where we start to be in a reaction mode. This is where we're always like, you know, some of us live rushed and we don't even know why we're rushed. And it's like, well, that's just who I am. It's what I do. Well, that's, that was because your left brain trained you that way. Some, somewhere your brain told you that's how I can get things done. This is like where you, you know, like remember your right brain reads the room, but if you're not being supplied, so your, your left brain compensates because now it's, now it's just always like fear, fear, fear. I got to anticipate. I always got to get all my, all my ducks in a row. Got to make sure everything's you know, going to be okay. That's not truly your identity, but that becomes a reactive identity that we just start operating in. And so what happens is we come, into, we come into our Christian culture and we just try to change our thinking. But, and then we do, right? We work hard at it. We believe, we love God, we're trusting, so what, what's wrong? It goes all the way back to the base of your brain when the way that the Lord designed it is attachment love with him and joy. So let's look at God's idea of bonding. You're gonna love this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you won't, but I do. Deuteronomy 11.22. Diligently, this is Deuteronomy 11.22. Diligently observe the commandments I gave you. Then love, love God, walk obedient with him, and hold fast to God, or some translations say cling to God. The word for hold fast or cling is devakis, which literally translates to having a permanent attachment or emotional bond. This is in the original language that the Lord gave us when he was telling you how to walk with him. Have a permanent attachment and emotional bond with me. It's not just right thinking, right living. There's so much more. But it was in there. You see that in Deuteronomy. It's there. We don't dismiss it. It's just more. So this word is actually a powerful word to express deep love. To, and it talks, and this was often referred to, to unite two people in love as one. And it was often used for humans, but God literally personalized it and goes, and now I'm going to use it between you and me. You and I become one in love. Um, Devakis. Oh, sorry. D-E-V-E-Y-K-U-S. So what Moses is really saying, oh, you need me to say it again? Yeah, devakis, D-E-V-E-Y-K-U-S. So what happens in a lot of your, this is even in the blue, I, I don't have time to go into this, but this is in the blue letter Bible. Um, it most often is going to have a sub word of the devakis there as the translation, but that is not the original word. It is devakis. Deva so, and there's just a, there, Hebrew is not phonic phonetic, so there's just a whole explanation of why that sometimes happens when you're looking up translations. So I just want you to know that if there's a discrepancy. So, okay, but so when Moses was saying cling fast to God, what he was really saying is, hey, obey commands, love God, walk in his ways, and deeply, passionately, permanently glue yourself to God. So Deuteronomy 13.4 says, follow God, fear him, obey his commandments, listen to his voice, worship him, and cling to him. Again, the word cling is technically in this trans, it originally was not a verb. What you see sometimes in blue letter is the, the verb, it gets replaced for it to make sense. But it was originally not a, it was a noun. It was treated like a noun, and it meaning having attachment with God. So to understand the nuance of this emotional Hebrew word, 
you could say it this way. Deuteronomy 13.4 would be, have oneness with me, your Lord, through a bond of love. Have oneness with me, your Lord, through a bond of love. And if it were to be a verb, it would be cling to me in such a way that we cannot be separated. <laughs> like, doesn't that just stir up your hope? You're like, man, God loves me. I want this. Okay. So God is all about this attachment love. It's right there in the scripture. And it literally shows us a focus. It, 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 what it's showing us in science and scripture is that a focus on attachment love with God, it actually prof profoundly transforms who you are. So I'm making a big case tonight on attachment, love, bonding, engaging with the Lord actually has more impact on your emotional and spiritual health than anything else. Our character and spiritual formation are literally shaped by the type of attachment you have with the Lord. This is why tonight you need to walk away inspired that God wants to permanently glue himself to me. He didn't glue himself to me. Like he, he wants this. And let that, let that begin to like feel that in your body. Imagine it in that right side of your brain. See him wooing you. And you'll start to, you'll start to engage that. Yeah. The greater the attachment I experience with God, the greater capacity I have to love God, love others, and love myself. The capacity for me to emotionally grow, spiritually grow, and love you to love you really deeply comes down to the kind of attachment I'm experiencing with the Lord. So attachment love, according to DeVakis, would sound like this. I have a passionate bond of love with the one who has bound himself to me. Isn't that pretty? <laughs> okay, literally, he said that to me three years ago. And then... And as we were having a beautiful moment of just him restoring our bond, restoring my safety because it was wrecked. I mean, I, I, in my loss, there was so much betrayal in marriage, my church family, and some of my, and, and my family members that emotional safety was just not part of my reality at that time. And as, I, as the Lord was guiding me into how to engage with him, that's what he said. I have a passionate bond of love. Oh, he, I, I said it back to him. I have a passionate bond of love with the one who has bound himself to me. Okay. And you see that in 1 John 4, 8. You know, we love because Christ loves us. But see, that's a concept that you can't almost grab and feel. So, and it's good, it's true. But it's more of a concept when you hear that until you start to understand it as an attachment and, a, and as a bond. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm watching the time here. All right. This is how God wants to be with you. I'm gonna just say this. All right, you guys know the word hesed? Okay, it's, it's a non-translatable word, hesed. It is translated 169 different ways. It has at least six English translations in the Bible. 
but it's non-translatable. They've argued for years and years what this could mean, but they have an idea, right, you know, through it. The word loving kindness was actually created as a word. It was invented in the 1500s just to try to describe hesed. That's where the word loving kindness came from. It was invented for hesed. So my former mentor, who actually was a prophetic Jew, taught me that hesed was best defined like this. An unbreakable covenant love that can be imagined or seen as God relationally walking beside you, holding your hand, and an undeserving loving kindness. See, isn't that so much prettier? You can feel it. And it's like an invitation. You get wooed. You're feeling like an invitation from him. It's an unbreakable covenant love that can be imagined as God relationally walking beside you in an undeserving loving kindness. He wants to walk. He wants to do life with us. So this is how God wants to be with us. I'm going to say this, and then I want to move into an exercise. So hesed, it brings out a relational joy. So you, um, hesed is, or joy in the brain is actually not happiness. It's not a fleeting feeling. It's actually a relational circuit. It's actually defined in the brain as glad to be with me. So when you are bonding with the Lord, you are automatically experiencing joy because you're experiencing, I'm glad to be with you. I'm glad to be with you. So said with the Lord, attach attachment love with the Lord, and then experiencing joy even with others, like it, it's, it, is this, it is key for spiritual growth. So you can be really, really close with the Lord, but if you're not engaging in a community of others where you're also experiencing joy, glad to be with you, um, it, it, I'll just say it, it'll stunt you. You have to, it needs, your brain is designed where it has to be with the Lord and with others. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to really, I'm going to try to dive deep into that next week. So, um, but they're both equal in operation, attachment, love, and joy, joy in being glad to be with you. All right, I'm going to throw some scriptures out for you before we move into our um, exercise. So I want to, joy is relational in that it's a response that someone is glad to be with you. I've said that. All right, so joy in the brain does not exist without a relationship. That would be happiness. I like ice cream when I'm leaving the, cup, the resting place. I always want to get some twisty treat, and I feel happy. <laughs> yeah. Twisty treat. It's like an, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> But joy is relational. It do, it requires it requires relationship. So it is not what joy is not. It is not the maraschino cherry on top of a good moment of a good life, okay, of a good relationship. It is actually foundation. It is foundational. It's a faculty in your brain that your identity cannot grow without joy. So your identity demands you experiencing people that are glad to be with you and bonding with the Lord. Isn't that incredible? So even as the Lord was just walking me through this, like just ordering my steps divinely, walking me through a lot of things as he was, you know, healing me, 
um, it was it was the community factor in my life that was lacking, and it was just for it, it was it was him finally saying like until you put this until you put this block back in your life like you're always gonna feel like that 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 piece is missing like I made you I made you to be in in relationship with people who are glad to be with you and. But that, but the Lord and His the way He healed me, I had to go through a couple years to bond with Him again in a way that felt really safe, because I had lost that so badly. So for me, it was years of just attaching with the Lord, feeling His joy until He, till He healed me, solidified that, and then He's like, "All right, now let's bring in that other piece." And I'm saying that to encourage those who feel afraid to be vulnerable. To, they don't have safe people readily accessible to them. Um, or you just have a hard time trusting. You have a hard time being vulnerable because pain has come your way. And so I just want to encourage you, it's okay. I went years. Just me and you on the porch, God. This is my safe place. Joy is primarily translate, transmitted through the face and the eyes. It's so important that you see the face of people for you to experience joy. And secondly, through the voice. So I'm going to take you into scripture and just show you how the Lord experiences joy with you and what he feels. Psalm 89.15 says, Blessed are those who walk in the light of your presence. The accurate translation should say, Blessed are those who walk in the light of your face. So presence of God, bonding with him, will require a face, a face. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. But the word for word rendering is actually this. There is abundance of joy with your face. The psalmist is telling God, there's an abundance of joy with your face. Isn't that incredible? The psalmist is face to face with the Lord. And God knows that's how I transmit joy to you. I want you to know I'm glad to be with you, and you're going to see it on my face. You're not going to only just think about it. You're going to see it. Psalm 21 says, God, you make me joyful with gladness in your presence. So in your presence, it's a left brain concept. It's true, and it's good, but it's a left brain concept. Well, the original word for word is right brain. Why? Because this is how God made us. He wants us to engage both sides of the brain. So the original word for word is, you, Lord, make me happy with joy on your face. The psalmist feels happy because they see the joy on God's face when God's looking at them. So when you hear her say, God is smiling at you, he's really smiling at you. <laughs> And now you have a couple songs you could say. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, you guys, we're the sparkle in God's eyes. We're the sparkle. And he's the sparkle in ours. When a Bible translation erases God's face, you, you, won't re, you don't react to it as strongly. You know, it's good, but you just don't react to it as strongly. So joy is literally experiencing the smiling face of God, right? <laughs> and it's the primary ingredient for your identity to grow. So joy must come first with attachment love. 
and I want to say this before we move into our experience because it's so important. Joy is not the absence of your problems. We said that. And it's not the result. Joy is not the result of solving a problem. It's actually the antidote that compensates for when you do have a problem. There is, there is a literal truth in how you are made in the brain and in scripture that joy is, joy is not to just be chosen by your will. It's actually to be experienced relationally. And out of that response of feeling God is with you, that now becomes my sustaining anchor in pain. I can actually have joy when I'm in pain because I'm experiencing God's glad to be with me even when everything around me is falling apart. And the more I experience that, I'm glad to be with him. And from that, sounds like John 15, remain in me and I'll remain in you and there will be overflowing gladness. It's in the scriptures, it's all over. <laughs> all right, so I started with Colossians 1.22, talking about how we're, God's like, you're good, man, you're glorious, you're perfect, right? But actually, in Colossians 1.23, it implies that he's aware you and I aren't always going to experience that, feel that, remember that. So he says in the next verse, don't walk away from a gift like this. Stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, attachment, and joy. He told you what to do when you forget who you are. Stay steady in that bond of trust. Constantly tuned to the message. And then the message translation actually says, there is no other message, just this one. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. <laughs> so that attachment, love, and joy, it's going to ground us and steady us. So I want to do a practice where we're going to actually turn to God, engage that right brain, and um, do an exercise that... Um, will help you sense that connection with the Lord, okay? One of the one of the ways the Lord had actually started to just divinely inspire me to like move into healing was um, in some of my co my counseling sessions my counselor wanted me to go into painful memories and find Jesus there. And it's actually an excellent exercise if you've never tried it. And I would I would help you learn how to do that. It's very powerful and healing. But the problem was for me was um, every time I went there, I had a block, and I couldn't do it. So um, I could see the memory, I could relive the memory, but at the moment when she asked me to invite Jesus in, it was like, and he's out. <laughs> and that made me just feel worse. And um, because now I'm like, well, now what? <laughs> you don't even want to show up in the pain. <laughs> so in that, in that real experience, that you know, and that was, that was really hard on me, um, I had, you know, just said, like, I need to take a break from that. And as I was talking about it with the Lord and was pretty upset with it, he just said, take a, take a break from the pain. And he said, start with joy. And I was like, okay. And he's like, just start with a joyful memory. I want you to just start with a joyful memory. Remember it. Ask me where I am in the joyful memory, and then we'll talk about it. Well, and those were so much easier for me. I, not realizing yet the brain science of how you don't you you can't thrive without joy 
And so the Lord was just restoring joyful bonds with me because he's like, before we're going to go into that hard stuff, let's restore these joyful bonds. That's what you need with me first. And I didn't know that. And so then I had a dream, and this lovely lady in the dream, so I was sleeping in my bed. The dream, I'm actually sleeping in my bed, and this lovely lady shows up on the side of my bed, and she gives me a really big filing cabinet, cabinet and she calls them joy files. On the, and then all she does is tap me, wakes me up, and goes, make sure you title them. Title your joy, joy, title your joyful memories. And then that's it. And I just, I just wake up. And in doing that, I learned that's how you engage both sides of the brain. Engaging the Lord to just bond with him, experience that he's glad to be with you, and you know, find him there. And then when you turn around and you title it, you're engaging that left side. So you're engaging both sides of the brain to optimally thrive and with the Lord. Because he doesn't want one or the other. He wants both. So remember, your, your left side is actually the words. It's the explanations. And what I found in my titles, what would like bubble up out of me, of like, I'm going to call that memory this, so I'm going to title this memory that, was themes. And you, I started to discover how the Lord was literally just downloading a strategy, a piece of wisdom, something about him, something about me that I had forgotten, just simply in the title. And so, which moves me to a really fun fact. When you are pro be supplying every, all four regions of the brain that we talked about earlier that you need in your left, and then you move to the left brain, which is region five, when all those are firing and you're, you're actively, like optimally, your body feels it, emotionally feel it, and you're thinking of it, it moves your brain, research has it, that it moves your brain into a region they can't touch on the organ. It, they think that it's like an electric field that they call region six. And there have been spirit-filled scientists that have done this on people praying, worshiping, and prophesying. And you watch the um, electric field just start to expand beyond uh, levels that they, can, that they can no longer record. Right? It's fascinating. Right? That's not encouragement, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So God's in this. He knows what he, he know He knew how he, why, how he made us and why. Yeah. Okay. Our exercise, I, um, I'm calling it interactive gratitude. It's actually not my, my name for it. That comes from one of my mentors. So, um, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to, um, step one is what is a memory? So I'm going to just read it and then we're going to do it. So don't try to do it. And don't start thinking about it because I want you to shut that off. So step one is just what is a memory that you feel grateful for and you felt connected to God in that moment? This can be current. It can be in the past. It can be big. It can be small. All right. So um, allow and um, your, your mind might trying to be going there. So let me just say the best way to do this to engage in that right brain is don't overthink it. And don't dismiss a memory that comes in your mind. Oh, I'm not going to do that one. <laughs> don't do that because the Lord, His Holy Spirit is inspiring this. He's engaging with you. He's, he's doing this with you. There's always a reason why you think of it. So you're going to do that, and then you're going to take a moment, and like we did with the memory of how God, you sense God's presence, you're going to just remember it and relive it for 10 seconds. In your, in your mind's eye, you're going to replay it. 
look at it and when you're remembering it, like literally like you're scanning, let your right brain, remember how your right brain scans for nonverbal cues? Okay, that's what you're doing when you're remembering. Your right brain is like literally scanning a picture. And I'm going to tell you this. I totally forgot about this. This is so excellent. <laughs> but this is next week. But. <laughs> okay. Um, for, one, for every thought or memory that you have, there are 10,000 to 30,000 thoughts and memories attached to it in your brain. That's fascinating. Yep. Jesus. <laughs> she's getting she's getting bodily sensation. She's there in the right brain. <laughs> but does she feel safe? <laughs> okay, you feel okay. Cuz that's what matters. Okay, good. <laughs> So 10,000 to 30,000 other thoughts and memories attached to one thought or memory. Okay, this is important. This is so important for um, your, well, we'll go into, I'll just stop there. That that's just a fascinating thought, and I'll actually jump into that next week. And Because really, this title is called Thinking with God, but that's actually next week. <laughs> okay, so we talked about remembering and reliving it, and you're going to give it a short title. That's why. That's why I said that thought. I was like, why did I say that? It's the title. Because the title is now a new thought attached to the memory you just did. And that title, the theme that the Lord's highlighting from that memory, is now going to be attached to how many more thoughts and memories you have? 10,000 to 30,000. So the more you engage God literally in memories and you're and then you title it and you hear him engage back with you you're adding 10 to 1000 to 30,000 other thoughts of God thoughts of God attaching to just one memory so when you do that over and over look how you're renewing that's truly renewing your mind and then that makes sense when you hear that psalm is it 119 or 139 that God has more thoughts than the grains of sand you're like oh I get it now yeah <laughs> okay so remembering it, reliving it, give it a short title, notice what you feel, and then you're going to ask God after you remember it, and don't rush it, after you remember it, title it, and you're noticing what you feel. That's actually important. Why? Because this is, this is what, like, I'm actually transferring ideas to you, right? I'm influencing you. I'm impacting you. But I'm not transforming you. Transforming comes through encounters with the Lord. We know that. So, and when you, when you are transformed, when you do have an encounter, don't you always feel something? Yeah. Sometimes it's just nothing but peace that causes you to be absolutely still. Sometimes it's tingles, rapid heart, right? Something on the back of your head. <laughs> I mean, that is if you're Jesse. But, <laughs> but so you do want to notice what you feel. You want to engage those bodily sensations and then ask God, what are you wanting to highlight or impress upon me by this memory? Just what do you think about this memory, God? And just let it flow. And don't look for something really lofty and eloquent. Okay, because all he wants to do is just show you, I just want to, I just want to permanently attach myself to you. I just want us to be one and then thank him for that moment.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.